people always ask me, Sean, how do you become one of the greatest salespeople ever? I would say I'm very effective. I've sold from anything and everything, nine figures plus. There's three things that everyone has to do. Number one, you got to be convicted about what it is that you're doing. Number two is persistence. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde. And in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hey guys, and yes, we're away with another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and I am joined today by the amazing Sean Malone from Flowchat. Hey, Sean, thanks for joining me, brother. Thank you so much for being here, Tim. I adore you. You're just doing great things for the world, and so I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. And, and I love your yellow wallpaper. It's always so sunny and exciting. Happy. Obviously, if you're watching the YouTube channel, you can check that out on YouTube, but uh, you'll just have to imagine it for a moment. I've got a quick, mate, first super quick question straight up. What is it with bookshelves? And why do we need a bookshelf in our background when we're doing Zoom calls? So I actually think of books as like trophies, right? I don't believe in like the most amount of books wins. I believe in which book gives you the most impact in your business. And so like the books that you see behind me are the ones that have like made the select few. I have bookshelves all over my house, but these are the ones that I'll pull off and I'll reference in meetings or I've read them multiple times. Like right now I'm going through the 14th time I'm reading this book right now, right? Obviously a oh, really good one. Hill, thinking, girl, Mitch, awesome. good book. Yeah. So 14 years in a row, I've read that every month of December, January, I take that book and I just go through it over and over and over. And it's like, you take something away every single time. So why do people have bookshelves? For me, it's because it's a reminder of trophies. It's a reminder of like the education that I have and the, the value I can bring to the world. Yeah, no, it's awesome, bro. And I can see you've got a couple of Russell Brunson's up on their shelf there as well expertsecrets.com secrets and so on. I'm actually here in a mate's place at the moment. I'm, I'm spending a couple of days up in Sydney and I'm here in his library. He does actually, if you, again, if you're watching the YouTube video, you can actually see he does actually have some Encyclopedia Britannicas up on his library wall as I spin my camera around. You can't really see that if you're online listening to us, of course. Did you hear now, what, did you hear what they're doing in Florida? They put the dictionary on blast because it had the word sex in it or something crazy, dude. I don't even really? understand. Like, oh, whatever. What is it. the world coming to? Now, mate, you're the co-founder and CMO of flowchat.com, a software tech company that's redefined the way people use DMs. And I'm a client of Flowchat. I love it. Right? Now, DMs obviously is direct messages for business. Agency owners come to Flowchat to set up effective social selling systems in the DMs and want the power of one-click like automation. Now, if you've ever tried to kind of manage conversations in your LinkedIn or your Instagram or your Facebook, or your TikTok, you know, inbox, you'll know that those things are not set up for depth of relationship. And that's where Flowchat comes in as help and helps. Mate, you've built eight companies in the past. The first two companies did multiple six figures per year. Next one hit multiple seven figures. Your last two hit over 10 million in sales. And I can see your click funnels and trophy up there on the wall in the background. And Flowchat, and this is, is very exciting, the first one, Flowchat's going to be the first one that's going to hit 100 million dollars a year. Over 30 years, you've done, you've made master communication through the voice, lost 
<laughs> sorry, the lost art of prospecting and high ticket sales. And you've personally closed more than $130 million in sales in your own career, which I mate, super respect and you're an incredible sales guy. When you're not doing that, cat, dad, husband, disc golf. That's it. Like Frisbee golf. And there you go. Learn something. You were huge in Japan in the 2010s. What is that? What were you huge in Japan for? Yeah, funny story there. So like when I was a young guy, I had this passion about music and I, I used to write a lot of songs, journaling and so forth. And I never knew how to play a musical instrument. And so one of the things I put on my bucket list, obviously goal setting is a big piece of my life. And it was... I wanted to make my own record and I wanted to hear my record played on the radio. Like those were two bucket items for me. So when I came out of college and I ended up buying my own electronics manufacturing company, my very first one, early 2000s here in Las Vegas, I picked up a guitar and I learned how to play a guitar and then I learned software. And then I was like, oh, I can actually make some music. And so I made, started making music and a buddy of mine happened to be this really great vocalist. And we got together and we put together this kick-ass album. And then we made a second album. The second album was much better than the first album. And what was his run? <laughs> uh, yeah. So the song was High Class Mustache was the name of the song. So you can go find it on YouTube if you want or whatever. But so I listed it on this thing called CD Baby at the time. And it was like the same thing as Jason Fladlian did, but it's like it pushes it out to 17 different websites and then you can buy it. And so I was watching the metrics and like over 4,000 copies got sold in Japan. So I was like, oh, I'm huge in Japan. Like that's what I <laughs> <laughs> And then one of my buddies was in Germany at a nightclub. And he, go, he called me in the middle of the night. He's like, listen to this. And he held his phone up and they were playing one of our songs from our album. I was like, that's a bucket list achieved. Like that's I win. It, that's Michael Jackson's got nothing on you. <laughs> 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 yeah right so you just need to see i think where you went wrong with that is you just didn't get the elton john eclectic glasses or kind of you know really create yourself into a, yeah a weird exactly, exactly. <laughs> you've got to have the personal brand that goes with it do you think that you know that sort of drive and that passion is what for you got you really interested in in running businesses no, I got interested in business because I have a hard time falling in line and working for another human being. And I always just wanted to kind of have my own thing. Like it's really difficult. I felt like, you know, we live in first world countries, luckily, thank goodness, so grateful for this. But like when you have the opportunity that we do, like why should I be kind of like a sheep? And why shouldn't I just like break all the rules and do my own thing? And it's like, I think there's some individualisticism in that. I also saw my dad as an entrepreneur working his ass off. That's where I, I learned work ethic as a young age. I'm just watching him work 100 hour weeks. And I grew up pushing a broom in his shop. And I learned a lot about like how he was running business. And he turned his business into a little $3 million a year import export cookware business. And I, I came out of college and, and my dad said, I said one, one question. And uh, this really drove me into business. I said, dad, how do I make a boatload of money? That's what I want to do. And he goes, oh, you got three choices. And I was like, great. What are the choices? He's like, are you a CEO? And I was like, what the hell is a CEO? I don't even know what those letters mean at the time of 21. And he goes, no, those are the people that run their own business. I was like, okay, CEO, like check maybe later. What's the second one? He's like, are you an entertainer? Well, in the 2010s, I was huge in Japan. But the fact of the matter is like, no, I'm not an entertainer. So that's going to be out of the way. And then he goes, well, the third thing, the last one is you better go learn sales. And so I went and I started learning sales and I sucked at it when I first started. And I actually did really, really poorly. So anyone listening to this right now, if you're in sales and you've ever like had that feeling, it was like imposter syndrome, or you feel like you suck at sales, like, trust me, I was worse. I made 2,400 cold calls and I never booked appointment, not one, zero appointments after 2,400 oh, attempts. 
insane, dude. I almost threw the flag in and my dad was like, no, don't do that. Go read a book. So I go to the library and I pick up a Tom Hopkins master of the art of sales book. And I was like, holy shit, there's a formula. I can follow formulas just like I did in school. And then that led me into becoming really good at sales. And I saw these young guys running this business and I was like, I think I can do better. And so that drove me into, I want to buy my own company. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love that, that those three pieces of advice, you know, are you a CEO? Are you an entertainer? And are you good at sales? And interesting, as you say, those things, I kind of almost reflect that if you're good at all three of those things, right? Because obviously, like, you know, there's an art and science to sales. Sure. Right? There's an art and science to being a CEO. And part of being a CEO is actually being an entertainer to your own team. And not, I don't mean telling really bad dad jokes, right? But it's almost like you've got to have that personality that allows, you know, almost permits people or wants to get people to want to follow the direction you set. Right. And so there's a really key relationship, I think, between all those three things. But I do, I want to pull a, a key point out of what you just said and kind of just reiterate it for our listeners is that there is a formula to sales. Mm-hmm. And the more you design a process around you, how you approach it, whether it's your sales script, whether it's your outreach, whether it's whatever it is you do, the more you build that formula, the more you can work on the formula to improve it over time. Unless haphazard you are like your first 2,400 calls, which would have just been like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, so I'm just going to do that again. And I don't want to do it wrong. I'm going to do that again. It gets really frustrating. I remember going through that process and it was about like six weeks of 80 call cold calls. Like, so when I started, we didn't even have the internet really. It was like, here's this book of manufacturers. You got to go call them and sell them stuff. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Start opening, making calls. And young kid, like hungry and strike out, strike out, strike out. So the first day I made like, 20 calls. I was like, ah, nobody wants to buy anything. Okay. Tomorrow I'll make 40, made 40, came back next day. I was like, made 60. I was like, I went to my boss. His name happened to be Tim. And I was like, Tim, what the hell? And he's like, dude, just do 80 a day. You'll eventually get there. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like a learning thing. I guess I got to like just bang my head against this wall until it breaks through. 80 call a day, 80 calls a day, 80, six weeks in, Tim is pissed off with Sean. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you're burning all that lead, Sean. <laughs> Stop yeah. And then that's when I read that book and it was the formula. And it's like, here's, you know, hold on, check this out. Like I said, the books, I have this exact book. This is the book. This is the exact book I got out of the library. I like bought the book oh, from geez, the library all, way all it? them years ago. Tom Hopkins, How to Master the Art of Selling Stuff. Like that's the book that I got, like the exact one. And I went to the back end. It's like Tom Hopkins, seven point system of setting appointments. I was like, holy cow, I can do that. And then I started and I like, the first time I get on the call, I'll never forget. I picked up the phone and I got on and I was like relating with the guy a little bit. Step one, checkbox. Let's go to step two. It's like, ask a good question. I got a good question. Step three, it was like, say this line to book the call. And I went to say the line and I froze and the hair stands on my neck and the sweat beats start coming down. I'm like, oh, I couldn't say it. Right. And I totally butchered it. But the guy on the other end of the super cool. He's like, Sean, I know what you're doing. Just let's meet on Tuesday. Come to my place about nine o'clock. I was like, yeah. And I was trying to like hold it back because it was like so much built aggression. Like, oh, I finally yes. booked an appointment, right? And I'm like, I was jumping up and down on the phone. And I was like, okay, sounds good. You're like trying to sound cool. And <laughs> that's I like, like, <laughs> sorry, I'm cool, dude. I'm cool. I'm not fucking. <laughs> and I hung up the phone and I just started dancing around my office. And Tim runs, he heard me. He's like, what is happening? This is crazy. And he rocks and he's like, did you just close the deal? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I just set an appointment. And he was like, oh, get the hell out of here. But. <laughs> From that moment of my life, that was a turning point because then I was like, oh, I could do it. I did it once. I could do it again. And that really gave me the conviction, the confidence. And I think like as people start to learn these systems and they get a little bit of confidence and it's just 
inch your way up, right? And then eventually you start with the consistency and the persistence. People always ask me, Sean, how do you become one of the greatest salespeople ever, right? Obviously, I'm, I would say I'm very effective. I've sold from anything and everything, nine figures plus. I say there's not one, there's three things that everyone has to do. Number one, you got to be convicted about what it is that you're doing. So if you're not convicted, you have imposter syndrome, either take a buddy in your company or a partner or something like that and ask them, like write down the reasons why you're not convicted, why you don't want to do the thing you're doing and have somebody sell you on that or sell yourself on it. Got to have conviction, right? So for me, after I did that, I was like, I'm so convicted to mastering this one thing. I want to master communication through the vocation of the lost art of prospecting and high ticket sales because I thought, Money, sales, that could do my thing. That was like the whole purpose, right? So the conviction was number one. Number two is persistence, right? You're going to get knocked down. I got knocked down so many times. I start to build this like big shield on myself. And it's like Les Brown says, if you get knocked down, if you can see up, you better get your ass up, right? And so that helped me to get back up again. And then the last one is conviction. So if you have consistent, if you have the conviction, you have the, sorry, uh, you have the persistency and then you have the consistency. You got to knock doors every single day. You got to make calls. You got to hit DMs. You got to do something consistently. And if you do those three things, you will be good at sales. Like it's just, it's a proven fact. Yeah. Right? You'll get, I think one of the things that certainly one of my coaches, John Logo, has, has spoken to me about, it's like, you just got to get comfortable being uncomfortable in business. That, true statement, man. The only constant in our world is change. Don't fear change, embrace it. If you go back, right, if you had to sort of get your sort of 18-year-old self making those first, you know, 2,400 calls, 2,600 calls, what is the big mistake that you think you made over those that, you know, you learned from Tom's book that you... So easy. I talked to, Tim, I talked too much. That was it, right? God gave us two ears and one mouth. We should use it in proportion. It's one of those things where it's like, yo... Listen twice as much because the most intelligent person in the room is listening. He's absorbing, he's analyzing, he's assessing what's happening. And when the person that's speaking speaks, the smart person knows exactly where that person is in the spectrum, right? And so if you just listen and then you ask really intelligent questions, you can get anywhere you want to go in this world. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I, and I hear that a lot, you know, ask more intelligent questions, ask better questions. And like, Right. So what's a better question? Sure. But I think the reality of that is that any question is a better question than no questions. That's true. And you get better and better. And and then you start to get pointed about certain questions. And it's like, if you're trying to sell a business, right? So like we have a selling process, we have a system of sales that I taught my sales team and I've taught a bunch of other people. In fact, I've trained over 5,000 sales pros. Okay. So that's a lot of people. And the idea is, is like there's buckets or compartments that you have to go through. The first one is you have to be able to connect. Bond and connect, first step one. Step two is you got to set an agenda for the thing you're doing, whether it be a call or a, a, like a, in the room or on a Zoom or whatever. Have to have an agenda. Yeah, it's fine. This is what we're going to do. You Google that. Yep, yeah, great. That's it. So like, hey, I want to ask you some questions. I'm going to have to answer any questions you have. And at the end, this is going to happen, right? Like whatever the agenda is. And then we dive into pain. And this is where the smart, intelligent questions come out. We have to start using emotional trigger words. Okay, I use the analogy WASP. So it's, what are you worried about, annoyed by, pissed off, or are you struggling with? So W-A-S-P, so worried, annoyed, struggling, or pissed. So I would just start that. And that analogy of WASP is like, hey, are you worried about not having enough clients in your business? Are you annoyed that your competitors are kicking your ass every single day? 
Are you struggling because you don't know where your next deal is going to come from? Hey, are you pissed off that your systems aren't working in your business? And you start asking those questions. And remember, one question, one answer. Person that asks more than one question won't get their questions answered. So yeah. it's simple. I think one of the I like doing with that, and I love that framework, but almost then going, you know, I'm curious, can you tell me more about that? Right? That's like, really? You know, and how does that affect you, right? Deep dive into the, into the responses. Right. And, and that's the, the second you, part. Again, the more, the more you get them to talk, the better off you are in, in any sales. And I think that's probably one of the biggest transformations. Right? You know, if we go back to sort of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, ABC, you know, always, you know, always be selling, <laughs> always be selling, always be selling, always be closing, I think it was. But, you know, it's always, it is that over and above everything else that you can do in your business, right? Even the thinking time, which is obviously super important, the working with your team, your building delivery capability, all your finances and everything else as well. Probably the most important thing that I think you can do in your business is nail your sales and marketing, right? Because then you've got a business. It might not be a very efficient one. You might be losing money hand over fist if you're not paying attention to the finals and financials and stuff like that as well. But you've got a business that you can then kind of work on and hone. If you're not making sales, the rest of it's irrelevant. Okay, you could have the best systems, the most amazing team, Right. You know, you can be finances up the wazoo and all that sort of stuff. You can have the best mindset about where you want to go and the hugest ambition in the world. But if you're not marketing it and not telling people about it, you're not making sales. It's not a business. It's not a business. It's gone. It's not a business. It's going to disappear. Right. And you, I think, you know, even to this day, I mean, deserve to change people's world. Right. No, I, I, it's, it's like, it should be encouraging for anyone listening is I think the way to say it. Right. Even at this day, I've, I've been professionally selling for almost 30 years, three decades. And I still take, right now, I'm actually, I tuned up my game again. I'm taking 10 to 13 sales calls every week, personally. Like I still keep my ear to the ground. Why? Because when I speak with the clients that are buying my products, I can ask them questions that other people can't because I've just been doing it for so long. And I can learn what they truly like, what they truly want. And then I can take that information and dump it back into my tech team. They can build a product. And now my marketing team can go out and actually promote and push the thing that the client told me they wanted in the first place. This is how the evolution or the flywheel will continue to grow your business and stay relevant. And so that's another big tip is like, if you are a business owner or you're the one that's generating opportunities and sales, keep doing it. Don't ever stop. Even if it's just one a week, like always have your ear to that ground because when you do that, what you do is you're going to be a producer forever. Like if you're a producer, you're a producer. The way I see it is there's sales and there's fulfillment. Like those are the only two parts of a business, right? You're either on the front end or you're at the back of the house. That's it. One of the two, right? And the people on the yeah, front of the end so, are the ones that get paid more. Talk to me about, I don't know you use Flowchat in your business. Uh, sure. Talk to me about how you use Flowchat. Okay. So let, let's very briefly, very briefly, let's talk about what Flowchat is and talk to me how you use it in your business to systemize your sales and marketing approaches. Yeah. So Flowchat is a, it's a system, right? It's an infrastructure. It's a software that can manage all of the mess in Messenger, or it can automate all of the social selling that you're doing. So a lot of people, what they do, and in fact, what we used to do is we make a post on social, we wait for somebody to engage, and then we go like, see who that was. And then we'd start talking with them. And then it would become generous. (laughs) We're just like, why haven't you bought from me yet? You post, you commented on my post or you liked it. You're supposed to buy Exactly. And it would become really messy in Messenger. And then when Facebook and all the other platforms took away the unread messages bin, then it became a big problem because then you're like, ah, I don't know how to sort all of this. And it's really messy. So we ended up, Flowchat came about because of a market need of our own problem and like how we were building it. And so the quick story is we had just finished selling our first software 
Chris and I were like, what do we do? One of our coaches, Russell Brunson said, what are you good at? We said sales. He said, all these online entrepreneurs kind of suck at sales. You should help them. We're like, great. We went and just picked up the phone and called 40 people and said, are you struggling with sales? And they all said, yes. And then five of them said, we're not getting off the phone until we work with you guys. Like, great. That was the birth of our high ticket agency. We had clients, we did a high ticket thing and it was good. We helped them to hire on board and train sales folks. And then once we hired on board and trained and built the ecosystem, we went through that entrepreneur or that business owner's warm market and closed a bunch of deals. About four months in, these business owners come back to us and they're like, Sean, Chris, thank you so much for building the sales team. But now I can't sleep at night because I have no way to find more people to put in front of the sales team that you just built me. And we're like, oh, well, here's a system, right? Duct tape together, piece of paper and spreadsheet, put this in your business and run it. And all of them hit home runs. And then Chris and I look at each other and we're like, oh my God, we need to do that at scale. Let's do a mastermind. So then we started teaching that system, three month intensive, nine months behind of advanced sales coaching, $25,000 a year mastermind. We had dozens and dozens of businesses coming through the system. 83% of them hit the biggest home runs they've ever hit ever. And continue to this day, hitting massive home runs. And at one point down that process, after dozens and dozens and dozens of clients, one of them came to us and they're like, you know, spreadsheet and piece of paper are kind of outdated and archaic. Like you should do something different. You need a software. And we're like, oh my God, you're probably right. And so our messaging ran into our CTO's messaging. We get on the phone with him. Hey, what do you do? Well, I built this kick-ass tech, but I have no clients. What do you do? Hey, we actually teach this, but we have no tech and we have hundreds of clients. Hey, we should do this. Boom. And we merged, acquired their IP. And the birth of Flowchat came to be. And it was all about how to use DMs effectively to grow your business from scratch. So what Flowchat can do is it can go to any 13 different social platforms. You can import hundreds, if not thousands of your perfect clients in one click. And then you can systematically message them step by step by step. Our tech was built by sales brain folks, not marketing folks. Sales brain folks are the people that get people over the line and close deals. Marketing folks are the people that build some cool whizzy tech that says, hey, look at me. Let's talk. Yeah, and then they stuff. just leave you hanging. So I think it's an interesting one to talk about that, right? Because, you know, I'm a marketing guy, but I've never looked at marketing as just the awareness piece. I look at marketing as this entire life cycle, not just how do we track the awareness of customers, right? But also close and retain clients as well. Yeah. To me, that's what marketing is, right? It's this whole life cycle of clients, right? How do we get people? How do we get the right people in so that they love what we do when they start talking about us? So they fill the front of a funnel. And one of the things that I love about what you guys are doing at Flowchat is that, you know, probably two really key features. And I know you've got a bunch of shit that's coming down the pipe in terms of some automation and, and some capability there, right? Firstly, allows you to capture the details of lots of people, right? And this is an area that I see a lot of, right? People put content out and there's a lot of people out there with very best intent say, hey, here are some really great content that's going to engage your audience. Awesome. But the big gap that I see, as, as you pointed out, Sean, is once someone engages with you, you've got to, that's them raising their hand to start a conversation. And more often than not, we don't start conversations with those people. We just think, you know, a bit like going fishing and putting your cooler down or your rescue down on that sort of edge of the water and expecting fish to jump in just because you threw some burley in the water. No, you've actually got to go fishing as well, right? And the fishing is the conversation piece. As you say, there's a process by which we kind of build a business. Firstly, we create awareness. Then we create conversation. Then we find out whether there's a problem that we can fix and whether they like us enough to fix it, right? And then we do a deal and hopefully we do it, you know, we deliver well enough that they want to keep doing work with us. And, and that's, totally you know, agree. it's a pretty basic process. And if we find that, we're going to get better and better and better at it. And one of the things I kind of, the two areas I sort of love about what Flowchat's doing 
as a client as much as anything else is it allows me to grab a whole bunch of people really quickly, as you said. And so if I put a post up and there's 20 people who like it, I can grab those penny people and I can put them into a visual sales pipeline that says these people raise their hand. Okay. Or these people are potential prospects. Right. And that visual sales pipeline allows me to then manage from a sales perspective where I am to in the conversation with those people. Right? Absolutely. Now and, we then, know, and, then right? and then there's automations behind it. Right. So then it's like, okay, what do you want to say to them once they've raised their hand? We create a very compelling and crafted message that's good. And we click a button and it sends all 20 of those people to save message instantly automatically. Like that's beautiful yeah. because now it's like you mm-hmm. said it like, the chum in the water is marketing the line in the in the water to catch the fish is the sales part. And that's the part where we specialize is like, cause most tech stops after that piece of chum goes out where ours says, no, 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 no. Talk with them a couple of steps more and then close the deal, right? Like that's the more important part. And so what's that rule? You know, that most sales are made after the fourth call or fourth touch point. 60, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> 60% of true engagement happens at four touch points. 80% of sales deals are closed after 13 touch points. So if you examine, stop right now what you're doing, think about your sales process. How many touch points do you have? If you got less than 13, you're probably losing a lot of business. That's yeah. the idea. And it's just, it's just depth of conversation, but you're right. It's a tool that helps you manage that depth of conversation. And that's yeah. one of the things I really love about, you know, CRMs and sales tools like FlowChat, right? That if correctly deployed, it helps you manage the conversations where you're up to with people. And I think I've got 12,000 concurrent conversations going in my FlowChat account right now. That's an awful lot. And I know where all the way up to, right? I know who I'm talking to. And if you try to do that on a spreadsheet or in your head, worse, you are not going to remember that many conversations. I have a spreadsheet that's got like two years worth of data on and you would probably puke if you saw how many lines are on that spreadsheet. Yeah. So uh... (laughs) I imagine there's a few. I imagine there's a few. All right. I know we've kind of limited the time today. I wanted to, you know, and I think well worth checking that out. We'll put a link to Flowchat in the show notes if you want to go and look at some more stuff. I know you've got an awesome demo of, of how that tool works. But I think with one of the things that I love about your system as well, it's not just the tool, it's also then how you deploy your sales team to, like how do you structure your sales team to kind of utilize that? Yeah. So, you know, it depends on the, the flow. There's several of them that, that are very effective, right? So one of the ones that's been just an ace in the hole and engine for years for us is our Facebook group flow, because for one reason or another, people getting invited to come into a Facebook group seems to be non-invasive on like the Facebook platform. And so what we'll do is we got like a team of three. So we have a virtual assistant who will go and find the people. So they'll go to the post, they'll go to the group, they'll import the people into the pipeline. That's stage one. And then they'll actually qualify those people on a four-point qualifier. We call it the four Qs. There's four yes or no questions. Each profile is manually reviewed and it has to have a yes to all four questions. And then it moves into getting ready for messages. Then the VA will actually also hit the automation button and start the outreach. And then when somebody responds, the engagement happens. That's the first hinge point of every DM conversation, when somebody actually replies to you, that's when our setter team, the second group in the flow, will take over and they'll start from engagement to booked call. So they're only in chat, they're doing that all day long and they're having conversations with the templated messages or they're using their own brain as a setter. We have one guy from Italy and we got Prague and we got US and Canada. So we have setters from everywhere and they go, I meet with them once a day and we go through conversations every day, right? So as again, keeping my ear to the ground. So just home, just those, and then, those things, also getting yeah. feedback about what people are actually asking because that feeds your marketing, it. right? That's yeah. it. 
And so that's the setter role. And then once the call is booked, we do an easy, simple handoff to our sales team. And when that call gets booked, what happens is Flowchat marks it as a call has been booked and that's a success for the software. And then we link it to our CRM. And so as soon as somebody books through the link, it pushes a new card and creates one in our second software, which is our CRM. And then our sales team only runs out of our CRM to close those deals from when a call is booked. That's yeah, kind so of they manage it, right? So we've always got a social CRM, CRM, CRM. Correct, yeah. correct. And when we started... We only had Flowchat and Chris and I only started with just me and him. We had two hours a day of prospecting time, five days a week, two hours a day, and uh, 10 spots to take calls. So our objective was me, Chris, Bruno, and one EA. That was the start of Flowchat. And it was just us. So we would do two hours a day of doing that prospecting work and booking calls. And then we would take anywhere from, you know, like the roughly 10 hours of sales calls a week. And then those that we created a hundred thousand in revenue in 40 days doing that. So anybody using the tech can do that, right? Like that's the yep. beauty of it. You could be as small as you want, or if you're bigger, we can go into enterprise chat conversation too, because we have some people using that are hundred million dollar companies that are using our tech at scale. So yeah, and I think I love that. It's the combination of tech and system, right? So you know, we're talking about it's not just the technology that does it, right? We get people into Facebook. We've got a kind of someone who's getting the contacts in the first place handing them off to a conversation team, the conversation team obviously going deep with somebody. And then you go, okay, now now we need to sort of book an appointment with someone to kind of help you with your problem. And I really love that. Let's pivot again, mate. As I said, I, I think if you're listening to this and you're kind of like, I'd love to get just that more organized, right? Definitely go and check out the demo in the show link in the show notes, right? We'll find a lot more about that. Let's wrap up, Chris. I'm really curious to know what's your favorite holiday movie and what that says about you. Holiday movie. Oh, man. I would just say Elf. Yeah. I, Will Ferrell has always been one of my favorite actors. I like the comedic humor. I like gifts that are hilarious. So I'd say Elf. Awesome. What are three, or who are the three most influential people in your life and how have they impacted you? Well, number one would be We're going to go to dad, okay? Because I love that piece of advice your old man just given you. Yeah, I'd say one, number one's my dad. He helped me learn a lot of things like work ethic and moral values and like how to treat others and some other things like how to actually do business at a good level. I'd say my mom is probably the number two because she taught me everything I needed to know when it comes to being competitive and playing a lot of sports. She's an, a brilliant athlete. And then number three, I'd actually say my wife. Behind every great person, I believe, is an even better spouse. And when I found Melissa, I was in one of my deepest, darkest depressions I've ever been in. And she was that shining ray of light that kind of pulled me out and said, don't waste your life, go do something with it. And since then, we've just been you know, locked at the hip. And yeah, very grateful for her. She keeps me on track. She protects me. She puts parameters around like my life and, and making sure that I stay upright and doing the right things. So those yeah, are probably awesome. Yeah. What do you reckon one lesson is that your job has taught you that you reckon everyone should learn at some point in their life? Have compassion for where people are. I think everybody's in a different place and mm. people don't change. And so you have to have compassion. Let me say that with a caveat. People do change if they work really hard to change, but most of the time people don't change that often. But if you have compassion and you understand the awareness level of where they're at in the process no matter what it is, if it's a personal relationship or a business relationship, put yourself in their shoes is what I mean by having compassion. Like if you were in their shoes, what would you do? How would you think? How would you feel? And then have a conversation about that. 
I think if more people did that, communication as a whole in the world would increase because my job is to, you know, I want to be one of the best communicators on the planet. That's what I focus on. Yeah. So. No, I love that. I think, you know, look, everyone has the opportunity to be a little bit more tolerant yes. and accepting of other people and supportive. If there was one thing that you wanted to be remembered for, what would that be? Being a loving husband, a brilliant cat dad, and one of the best communicators on the planet. Yeah. No, I love that, man. Love it. Last question. Give me your definition of, of success and have you hit it yet? <laughs> My definition. Because like, I say that because for me, once upon a time, it used to be able to sort of make more money during lunch that I could possibly spend on lunch. It's I mean, that's, that's real. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's definitely real, right? Like I try to veer away from, I'm not as money driven anymore as I used to be. And so I think my definition of success over time has changed, right? I used to think if I had the biggest bank account and I had all the materialistic things, I had houses, I had six motorcycles at once, two boats, four jet skis, like you name it, I had it, right? Like I've been there and that I still felt hollow inside. And so like, I think a lot of people that have hit that type of fame, they probably feel the same way, right? They're, they're all hollow inside. That's why you see these, these mega millionaires that are like way overweight, out of shape, everything else. So success to me, I would say is feeling whole inside. And then also just spending time with the people that mean the most to you is, I mean, as cliche and cheesy as it sounds, I think that's really what it is, right? So. Man, I love it. I think it's like definitely inspiration. And you can find out more about Chris and the work that they're doing at Flowchat over at flowchat.com. Um, again, links in the show notes, the demos and a couple of other things there you can go and check out. Chris, mate, you're an absolute inspiration. I love spending time with you. Chris is my partner. I'm Sean. Sorry, right. Sean. Sorry. That's enough. Yeah, uh, we're, we're like, like, like we're, both we're, awesome, honestly. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, man, appreciate appreciate you sort of jumping on the call with us today and sharing your journey and your expertise and, and some of the stuff that you guys are doing over at Flowchat. And uh, I know that it's not a question of if you're going to hit $100 million a year. It's just a question of when. So that's awesome. Yeah. And by the way, to all those people that are listening to this right now, if you haven't engaged in work with him yet, I very highly encourage you to book a call with him right now and get on the bandwagon because there's very few people that have put it all together multiple times and now they can do it in their sleep. And it's way easier when you find somebody that already has clicked the buttons and already knows what to do and already knows the potholes that you're going to fall into. Tim is that person. So definitely pursue it. Man, Sean, I appreciate, appreciate you saying that. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. This one's definitely one I'm going to come back and listen to again. Some absolute value bombshells. I'm definitely going to you know, implement that WASP system into my own sales process. Sean, so I appreciate you sharing that. Mate, all the best to the family, to Chris and the team over there at Flowchat. And we look forward to seeing you on another call uh, real soon. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.